0: Saint John chapter 2 and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 10. We're coming from the English Standard Version so our version may vary a bit from yours but from that verse in that chapter on this morning it says in St. John chapter 2 verse 1, on the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples when the wine ran out the mother of jesus said to him they have no wine and jesus said to her woman what does this have to do with me my hour has not yet come his mother said to the servants do whatever he tells you now there were six stone water jars there for the jewish rites of purification each holding 20 or 30 gallons jesus said to the servants And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. Heavenly Father, let us be receptive to your word in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. From our series, The Upgraded Experience, we want to talk about today from the thought, whatever he says, do it. Point at your neighbor and say, whatever he says, do it. In the Christian experience, the thing that separates us is not who our parents are. It's not how we were born. It's not where we're from. It's not because our actions were so wonderful and pure before our encounter with Christ. The thing that separates us, may I submit, is that we are obedient. Because first of all, if we're not obedient, then we don't belong to God. Jesus makes this clear. Jesus said, he said, my friends are the people who do what I say. We're talking about, oh, we're a friend of God. Are you? To be a friend of God, you have to do what he says. Jesus also, people would come up to him and call him master and healer and, I, and Lord. And he'd say, why call ye me Lord, Lord? And do not the things that I say. The prophet Samuel told Saul when he messed up, he said, to obey is greater than sacrifice. And for us, that might be a, a unique understanding to, to get the concept that I can give everything that I have and sacrifice. But if, not, if I'm not obedient, it does not matter to God. I can sacrifice my time, my, my money, but if I'm not obedient, then it does not matter. I'm not in line with what God is telling me to do. That's what separates us. It's not that there's somebody out there who they might seem like a better person than we are. It's not about being a better person. Now, we should be better when we are encounter Christ. But it's not just about being a better person. It's about being obedient. And the difference between that good person and a Christian is simply obedience. They're not obedient to the command of God. And many of us, we sit in church As many times it is open, but if we're not obedient, we're not in line with God if we're not obedient. You can look like you're obedient, but if you're not actually obedient, it does not make a difference. We're dressed up disobedience, your three-piece suit disobedience, your long skirt dragging on the ground disobedience. If you're not obedient to the commands of God, he said, in fact, he says, in that final day, you will come and I'll say, I don't know you. I don't know you. Because when I called class for the obedient, you weren't there. When When I recognized those people who were listening and performing what I said, you were not present. You were out at the store buying your I Am A Christian shirt, but you weren't actually being obedient. You were dressing the part, but you weren't behaving the part. You were not doing what I told you to do. And some of us, we fail in the greatest two commandments, not amongst the others. Some of us are like, well, some of you might be thinking, which commandment am I following? Can I, which one do I need to decipher and parse to do better? Jesus said, start with these two. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, with all your strength. I'm giving God everything, my heart, my soul, my mind. It all belongs to God but you're not even giving God your time. How can I say that I'm following the greatest commandment and I'm holding on to things and I'm not giving God everything that is me? I can't say I love him with all my heart, my soul, with all my might, and I'm withholding things from God, something as simple as my time. How can I say I'm obedient to a God whose word I do not read. Some of you all are like that person who puts, puts something together. They pull it out of the box, they put it together, and then they have these extra pieces. And they're like, what? what's, what's that about? Because <laughs> you didn't follow the instruction. And you know what the, extras, the extra pieces are? Let me give you this. God said, lay aside every weight. And because you didn't follow the instructions, you're carrying weights that now serve no function because you didn't follow the instructions. I could sit down right there. You're carrying weight because you didn't follow the instruction, and you can't be obedient to God because you don't read the instructions. So if I don't read the instructions to to do what God expects of me, I cannot say I love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. I'll tell you this, you love the thing that you give the most time to. And that's the inconvenient truth. You love the thing that you give the most time to. So God says where your heart is, that's where your, tre- where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. That's not always money. Sometimes it's time. And if I treasure my time and I'm not giving it to God, then God is not my priority. I love the thing to which I give my time. So if I'm going to start prioritizing God first in my life, the very first thing I need to start with is not your money. It's your time. Now, some of you treasure your money, too. That's why God says 10% of your increase, because you love your money, too. Come on now. You're not sinful for acknowledging the truth. You love your money. My wife says your coins. (laughs) you love your coins, (laughs) you're watching over your coins, and because that's important to you, that's what God needs and requires of us. Because if you invest your treasure, which is your money and your time, to me, that lets me know that I am your priority. That lets me know that I come first. Now, that's the first commandment. Now, a lot of us struggle with the second one. Sometimes the second catches more than the first, and the second one was, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as you love yourself. And for those who really think about it, that's hard, because you love you some me, and you forgive you some me, and you give me a whole lot of grace. And you give me a whole lot of forgiveness. And you give me a whole lot more grace and forgiveness than you give to other people. And that's not showing the type of love that God requires of us. It's not not a secondary objective. He requires that I love my neighbor as I love myself. And I'll tell you, there are some things, sometimes we get stuck in the minutiae of things and in terms of the commandments. And does the Bible say this? Or does the Bible say that? And sometimes we get stuck, I didn't see this in the Bible, so I don't know whether or not I should do it. But an abundance of love will draw out for you the expectations. When you love God, Then you ought to know how to act. Because you have expectations and understanding of how you expect people to love you. Do you flip those same expectations as it relates to how you love God? Just some basics. If you love me, you'll spend time with me. Was it Tony Braxton? Love should have brought you home last night. You'll spend time with me if you love me. You don't mind spending your treasure on me if you love me. You don't mind buying me flowers or the things that I like or the things that make me happy. You don't mind doing that because you love me. I don't think you you defeat the objective if on her birthday or anniversary or, or Valentine's Day you go get some flowers, and when you get to her, you slam them on the table and say, there go your stinking flowers. There you go. (laughs) You you spent the money, but you defeated the objective because you ought to give freely because you love them. You love them. You've already lost the objective of, of the gift if you don't understand that it's given out of love. So therefore, in my relationship with God, I give freely of my time. I give freely of my treasure because I love him. I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it to meet somebody else's expectation. I'm doing it not because you love him, but because I love him. It's personal. It's a personal relationship that I have with God, that does not require anyone else's intervention, but I am obedient. I give of myself, I give of my money and my time because I love him. And because I love him, I am obedient. Some people don't don't understand, and and sometimes this is how, how we lose people who we're trying to draw to God. This is how we lose them. We get caught up in the minutiae of things. We're worried about how they dress. And we're worried about where they were on Saturday night and on Friday night. And we get caught up in that and the people get angry with us and we lose them. What we ought to teach them is that we're driven by love and not by rules. I wish wish we would really get that. We're driven by the abundant love that we have for God, not some set of arbitrary rules that people set for us. So if you teach them that it's about love, they'll focus less on what people say they can't do and focus on relationship. Because when you have relationship, you begin to understand the rules and abide by them anyway. If you love God, there are just certain things you don't do. If you love your husband and you love your wife, there are certain things you just do not do. And you don't do it because they have a list of rules that are posted on the refrigerator. You do it because you love them. I want to spend time with them. I don't have to make a schedule. I don't have to make a rule that I have to spend time with my wife because I love her. I don't have to make a rule or, 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 or draw out how much money I should, I'm going to spend on my wife. I'm going to do it freely because I love her. And that's how we ought to be with God. I'm giving out of the abundance of love that I have for him because the very first commandment is I need to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And I do it lovingly. So I'm not writing my checks and tithes and offering angrily, begrudgingly, as the Bible says, or of necessity. Don't you know, when somebody knows when you feel like when you're treating them as if they're an obligation. People know. I had a student, I was supervising a house at a facility, behavioral facility, and a student was acting out. I come in, walk in the room, he immediately sits down, calms down, and starts talking to me in a, in a normal voice. The person he was dealing with left. He said, and I'm trying to remember, at this stage, people call me so many different names. I, I have to go back and remember. I'm superintendent. I'm pastor. I'm Dr. Chrisman. I'm Dr. Larry. I'm Dr. C. I'm daddy. I'm pops. I'm father. All my kids call me something different. <laughs> but I had to go back to them. They called me Mr. Larry. And they said, Mr. Larry, he said, the reason I'm calm with you and not him is because you really care about us, and he's only here to get a check. And I was the person's supervisor, and I could not argue with this kid. He was 100% correct. That person didn't really care about the students or the kids. He just was there to get a check. That kid understood that my relationship with him was because I cared, and his relationship with them was out of obligation. And people know, even 12-year-old kids with emotional problems, can discern when someone is treating them out of obligation. How many of us treat God that way? It's I'm fulfilling an obligation. I'm doing this because I feel like I have to do it. I'm not doing it out of an abundance of love. And there is a difference. And we can all see it. Some of you know you have people in your life and a name is going to immediately come to your mind when I say this. You know that there are people in your life who tolerate you. They don't really like you. They're not invested in you. They don't want to see you win. They just tolerate you because they have to. They tolerate you because you work with them. They tolerate you because they're kin to you. And the church said, amen. (laughs) They tolerate you. They don't really love you. They don't really care about you. They're not really invested in you or your success. And the poor thing is that we shouldn't treat people like that. But the worst thing is we often treat God like that. We tolerate God's existence. Why? Because at some point, I'm going to need it. I'm going to get in some trouble and then I'm going to lift up my hands and come to church and say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. We're doing that because we are expecting him to rescue us from our situation. We have a firefighter relationship with God. We have a 911 relationship with God. You know, you don't you only call 911 when you need to. You don't wake up every morning and call 911. You don't call 911 to have a conversation with the operator. Come on, talk to me now. You call 911 when you need it and that's often how we relate to God. We call him only when we need him. And let me give you a secret. This is how God works. Since you only call him when you need him, he's going to make sure you need him a lot. Mm. Why am I going through this trial? Why am I going through this storm? Why do I keep repeating these problems in my life? God is putting you in a position where you're going to call him. And the more, the less you call him voluntarily, the more he creates situations where you have to call him by necessity. And if I called him voluntarily, then maybe I wouldn't have gone through that. If I called him voluntarily, I may not have had this storm in my life. If I called him voluntarily, maybe I wouldn't constantly be in turmoil and trials in my life. My lack of calling him voluntarily has forced a situation where I have to call him by necessity. So maybe I wouldn't live in the pig pen like the prodigal son if i come to myself. Because when you come to yourself, (laughs) the prodigal son said, I don't have to live here. I don't have to stay here. In fact, I don't have to stay here one more minute because he said in my father's house, uh, you don't have to treat me like a son, but, Lord, but, but Father, if you'll just make me as one of your servants. I, I, I don't have to exist here. I, I don't have to live here anymore, but I've recognized in my mind that because I don't want to stay here, I have to live here. But to live here, that means I have to be in a place where I appreciate my Father every day if I'm going to live here. I, 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 it confuses and confounds some of me about some people who say they want to go to heaven and, and they tell me in heaven every day it will be Sunday <laughs> they tell me in heaven that all we're going to be doing is singing holy, holy holy, the, the Lord God is holy, we're going to be praising God, why do we want to go to a place where we're going to do things that we don't do right now really <laughs> Be praising God every day. We don't praise him every day right now. We we have to, come on now, we, I, you, if you were waiting for the prosperity gospel, that's not how it works. There's something that you owe God. You want to name it and claim it, nab it and grab it and all that stuff. I don't have that message for you. Because the word says you have to be owed be obedient. I have to be obedient to the commands of God. I have to be obedient to what God tells me to do. So when I say that, I say that to let you know that we can't live in an upgraded experience until we're first obedient to what God has called us to do. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you something you can shout about on your way home. Let me give you this because I'm finished. Now, the thing about an upgraded experience, remember the Bible said, Jesus said, I've come that you might have a life and that you might have it more abundantly. And that's the base scripture from our series, An Upgraded Experience. The thing that I learned is that you can be in the same place and have a different experience. (laughs) I can be beside you and we can have a different experience. I learned this one day, Brother George, I was getting on an airplane, and I got on the plane, and I I walked through, and I went and found my seat. And when I got got in my seat, it felt small. And the reason it felt small, and I'm going to help somebody. This is kind of a mindset thing. The reason it felt small is because I was expecting my experience to be like what I just saw. Because when I first got on the plane, I saw big, wide seats, too. Big wide seats with all of this legroom. That's what I saw. But then when I sat down, my experience didn't match up with what I saw. All right, I'm if you really dig in that, <laughs> that that's enough right there but, 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 but my, my, my physical experience didn't match up with what I saw, I was on the same plane on the same flight number headed to the same destination at the same time as all the people who were sitting there, but even though we were on the same plane, on the same path at the same time, we were having a different experience <laughs> they were having an upgraded experience their seats were were much wider and, and and they had lots more leg room and and people were bringing them uh, champagne and, and drinks for for free, and they were bringing them food and, and and I was waiting for them to bring me what I found out later to just be peanuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's all I was going to get. I was on the same flight <laughs> at the same time on the same plane, but we weren't having the same experience. (laughs) And what I'm telling you that is that when we stepped into life, Jesus said, I'm gonna give you an upgraded experience, which means I'm gonna cause what you saw to match up with what you experienced. I'm trying to help somebody. He showed you that for a reason. I wish you would get that right there. He, he showed you. I, I saw what better looked like, so then I knew how to pray. I didn't know how to pray until, until I saw it. So what you've seen, God's saying, I'm going to cause what you've seen to match up with what you experience. If you trust me to give you life more abundantly, he said, I'm going to upgrade your experience. But to pray for it, to hope for it. He said, I first had to show you. And what I'm telling you right now is God is showing you some things right now that don't match up with what you are experiencing. I'm trying to help you out. I've seen it. I, I know that there is better. Somebody say, I know what better looks like. <laughs> showed me what better looks like and he showed me what better look like because he wants me to understand that I need to expect more out of my experience. And some of us are stuck in the back is because we don't expect anything more. Have you ever been in in a car ride with somebody who has less expectations than you do? Have you ever been in a car ride, let me put it this way with somebody who doesn't need to stop as often as you do. Have yeah. you ever been in the car with somebody who, who doesn't get hungry as often as you do? I wish I would talk to me here. But when you deal with somebody who has lower expectations, if you're in the same car with them? That can impact your experience. But what I'm telling you right now is God saying, I I showed you for a reason. So now you ought to expect more out of your experience. You ought to be saying, Lord, when are you going to move me up? I'm being expected. Somebody wants some elevation in here. Somebody saying, Lord, move me up. Oh, say it with me. Say, Lord. Lord move me up. I had a friend, and I'm closing here. He was on the same situation. He walked into the airplane, and he saw these wide seats in the front. It's what they call first class, and I believe my God is going to give me a First class experience. Oh somebody say it. Say I'm looking for a first class experience. He got on the plane and he saw the wide seats and he saw all the leg room. <laughs> but his seat was in the back of the plane. He goes to the very back of the plane, and he's sitting there, and it seems like the plane won't take off. He's wondering when will the plane take off. They're sitting in the tarmac, but the plane won't take off. Then all of a sudden... One of the, the ladies came, the, the stewardess came and grabbed him. The flight attendant said, I, uh, he said, I need you to move to the front of the plane. So he grabbed his stuff, and as he began to move to the front of the plane, he didn't understand why he was being moved up. But finally, they move him up. Beyond the curtain. They sit him in a big seat. They bring a drink to him. They tell him what's on the menu. He settles all his stuff down. The seat's a lot more comfortable. He's able to stretch out the way he wants to stretch out. And then he asked the flight attendant, he asked her, why did you move me up? And the flight attendant told him, he said, I need to balance the weight. I need to balance the weight of this plane. She said there's too many people that are sitting in the back but to balance the weight she said I had to move somebody and she said I chose to move the person that was sitting the furthest in the back and she said that was you. So I moved you up because you were last and I came to tell somebody the Bible says the First shall be last, and the last shall be first. Uh, somebody's sitting back there uh, on the back of the plane, uh, and God is saying, uh, I'm about to move you up, uh, I'm about to take you uh, to the position you've already seen, uh, I'm about to take you uh, to the place of already. Passed, uh, don't get weary uh, in your well doing, for uh, it's due season. Uh, that and now i uh, under Him uh, that is able uh, to do exceeding me uh, above. above. Uh, somebody say, "Oh, uh, you can ask the thing." Uh, everyone standing on your feet. Hallelujah! Come on, put those hands together and give God the glory. Hallelujah! Come on, go up those hands and say, "Hallelujah!" Hallelujah! Hallelujah! There's something, a corollary to that example that I want to give you, and it goes back to obedience. He was moved up because he sat where he was told to sit. He sat where he was told to sit. That's why I tell people, I need you to get this. This will help you from struggling for some things. Baby, you don't have to cheat. You don't have to steal to get what God has for you. I don't have to lie. I don't have to cheat. I don't have to steal to get what God has for me. But if I'm obedient, if I'm obedient, he... Get this, before he got to the good position, he was in the right position. He got to a better position, but he first had to be in the right position. He had to be where God told him to be. Giving it like this, if he hadn't been where he was supposed to be, he would have missed the blessing. Because the blessing is in the place you're supposed to be even when you can't see. where he told you to be, even if you don't see it. And if he had gotten caught up in what he thought he deserved, he would have been in the wrong place. If he had said, oh, there's a bunch of empty seats right here, I just sit in one of them, he wouldn't have been obedient. He would have found himself in the wrong place. The thing about it is sometimes if we don't follow God's instructions, His blessing is still going to be in the place of obedience. So if he had sat somewhere else, moved up to the front by himself, then somebody else would have gotten his blessing. Somebody else would have gotten it. They would have taken the furthermost person who was behind him and moved them to the front. And he literally would have had to watch somebody else walk in his blessing. They would have walked right by it. But they would have also been blessed. Why? Because they were obedient. Because they were in the place that God told them to be. So I can imagine, I can think of another way, another scripture might say that he's in the back and people might be laughing at him and and, and talking about how bad his position is. You you never going to get off this plane because everybody in front of you is going to get off before you do. But then the stewardess tells him to move to the front. So he's moving. And the Bible says, and they prepare us the table (laughs) before (laughs) them. In the presence of my enemy, everybody who laughed at me is going to have to watch me. I, I know somebody needs that. Everybody who laughed at me, who made fun of my position, is going to have to watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Be elevated as God moves me. Oh. Somebody say, God moved me up. Move me up, Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word that promises us in Jesus' coming that we should not just have life, but we'll have it more abundantly. That life with Christ is going to give us an upgraded experience. If only we are obedient to the command of God. Lord, we accept that word. Lord, we we bring that word into our spirit. We hold it close, and we allow that word to illuminate our path forward as you direct us into destiny and into the place that you desire us to be. Lord, even as you move us up, we say thank you. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those who've been watching us online, we pray that you live with expectation that you live with hope, and that you live being obedient to God's command. And we declare into your life by his word that our God will move you up. And we praise God for you. Come on, Bright Temple, put those hands I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the 2 line. And in the 4 line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.